Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and an Advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone. Nostravi. I'm not sure if that pound. is pound, like a college student. Chug-a-lug. Do you remember what I told him that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if we're saying it right, but Nostravi, or that's cheers in Czech. And right. when you uh, cheers in Czech, you go and you take your glass of whatever you're drinking, you slam it on the table. Not hard, but, you know, like you do when you're in college here in the United States. But that's what they do. <laughs> That's what they do. That's their culture. That's right. It means it literally means to health. Yes. I don't know what it means in the United States. <laughs> well, the slamming. well, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> not, not the slamming, the phrase. So, yes, welcome to False Bottom Girls, a very professional podcast with very where professional s- openings. Yes. Where we're <laughs> where we give you a little riddle about what the episode yeah. may be like. <laughs> I like I like the idea of reframing it as a little riddle rather than we can't <laughs> yeah. just have like a linear conversation. <laughs> yeah. But yes, we just got back from oh. our annual winter vacation to oh Europe. Gosh. Our annual European God, vacation. we just think how spoiled we sound right now. I know. We it's... just got back from our annual. Look, <laughs> you know what? We're spoiled. We are. And we know it. And we try to share it when we can. Right. And, um, you know, this is the life. You know, we also don't have kids. And we, we sacrifice that so we could have this life and do these ep- episodes for you guys. So right. you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I start to say. We're living this dink life. Dual income, no kid. I guess you, you're you living an ink life. I am. I um, argue, <laughs> arguably. Income, no kids. Income, yeah, one income, no kids, but the wife's still oink. You're living the oink life, one yeah. income, no kids. Oink, yeah, there we go. Maybe one day I'll have an income. <laughs> so this is gonna be probably not gonna be this brewery though. If anyone wants to know what it's like to open a brewery, you know those hobby farms these days. Like what? you, you know, like a hobby farm, like you have like a working farm, like a professional or you have like a hobby farm. Oh, hobby. I thought you yeah, were yeah. saying hobby. I was like, you mean like a oh, hobby yeah. farm? Yeah. Like a- <laughs> no, like, but that's what like owning a brewery is. It's like a hobby. It's, a hobby it's like a hobby that like takes a lot more of your time than you. Oh, yeah. It's like a full time job hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're happy. You love it. It's your hobby. Are you? Do you? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) at times. At times. What I love is not having to work for someone else. Also, at times, that does have its privilege. Don't get me wrong. Like being able to leave work at work, but I'd rather not. I do love dictating, writing the schedule, you know. But what I don't love are dictating, writing other people's schedules. (laughs) (laughs) i don't love uh not making money i don't love uh you know there's a lot of things (laughs) having to work when other people can't work but i think overall it's worth it luckily um you know we're small enough to where we can float it because we don't make money (laughs) if we were a huge brewery we wouldn't be able to do that Right. So, 
and we have to because you know her whole like personal guarantee life everything's written on the line so you know there's that <laughs> right five more years four and a half <laughs> more years until that contract is up so then we're gonna see what happens right survive Maybe, for uh, five survive for five that's right <laughs> that's exactly right that's exactly what we're doing and then we'll probably shut it down honestly if it doesn't make money right what are you gonna um, do one of the ways that we're helping pilot potentially make money is by doing things like this course yes. that we did during our vacation True. so it was like a working vacation yeah. <laughs> and we went and we'll have we'll have another episode more about yeah. like we're what not gonna we talk did. about the course at all on this yeah. episode. So I sorry. thought we were only talking about the course. I thought are we talking about pills and trip or the course? I thought we were talking about the course. Well, it's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I did realize after we get started, I was like, we didn't actually decide what we didn't was decide. first. We decided that we were gonna make two episodes. One one about our trip like Prague and Pilsen and Pilsner Raquel and then another episode specifically about the course. So I guess, yeah, let's do the course. Okay. That's fine. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, one way that we're uh, bringing value to pilot is by doing things like this course. So it was a kind of a working vacation yeah, for awesome. us. Um, it was mostly vacation and like kind well, of when one, you love your job day. so much, everything, you know, I said when you love your work so much. That's you know? true. Yeah. And we, Rachel and I have had this conversation. So we went to Luger uh, to take their course, the Perfect Poor Academy on the side pole faucet. So we will, I guess in this episode, kind of correct the, our very, I think our second or third episode where we called it slow pour. Oh yes, that's correct. Yeah. And so we do need to explain the difference between We're that. back. We're better. Yeah. We understand yep. now that those two things are not synonymous, which yep. at the, at like kind of at the time that was when it was like, you know, Bierstadt was the one that had the slow pour and like people were just starting to learn more about side pull faucets Yeah, because believe it or not, Rachel, that was over four years ago. I know that we recorded Shit. that. Damn. Right. So Luker is the manufacturer of the side pull faucet. Yes. I think maybe at this point, Micromatic has come up with their own design, but Luker is the OG. Yeah. I, this is the probably one every place you go into that has a, that says they have a side pull is going to be a Luker faucet uh, because I don't, I don't remember if Micromatic has one yet or not, or if they're coming out with one, but Luker is the manufacturer of, of the side pull faucet. Yeah. And so we did their perfect pour Academy. And that's a, like um, a, a three day class they offer where they certify you or give you a lot of education and, and give you a little certification on pouring this, using this faucet and doing like the three main pours that people will typically order and right and Pilsen. But what's funny about it is when I would tell someone who's in the industry we're going to Pilsen, we're going to Luker to their perfect pour Academy for the yeah. side pull faucet. They were like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I'm so jealous. But then trying to explain the exact same course to somebody who is not in the beer industry, <laughs> you sound like an insane nerd. <laughs> so true. So like me trying to explain to my family, like, yes, we're because this is the third year that Rachel and I have done a trip in January together. 
And so now people, you know, will say like, oh, where are you going this year? So me saying like, it, again, if I say we're going to the Czech Republic to somebody in like in the industry in beer, they immediately are like, oh, my God, that's awesome. If you're not one of if you're not in the industry, you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I'm going to the Czech Republic and I'm taking a class about a faucet <laughs> and how to pour from it. And yeah. people are just completely befuddled oh, yeah. Yeah. by that. And like my mom, especially trying to explain this to a mom <laughs> where she's like, so is this like a new technology? Um, no, nope. <laughs> no, it's been around for a long time. Um, so like, what, what is it that you have to learn? It's like, well, how to use it. So it's new. It's like, no, <laughs> and just trying to explain yeah. the concept of going to Europe, to a manufacturer, to take a class for a product <laughs> they make Yeah, is just like, I know. So what I told, told about, they're like, so why does one need to get certified in this faucet? I was like, well. One does not need to get certified, in this <laughs> right? Faucet, but this one wants to get certified, right? But because it's a very beer geeky thing to do, and that's what we do. Exactly. It made me be like, "What else? What's next? What can we go get certified right. next?" <laughs> but exactly, it's it's very difficult to explain to people who are not interested oh, yeah. in it. It's yeah. very, very. It's like a micro niche in the industry but it's been great because people have been like that's so cool can you come train my staff and one of the things that we learned well kind of two sides of the same coin i guess is one tapsters in in the czech republic particularly i i would say in pilsen are very passionate about correctly using oh, yes. the faucet and about and like very meticulous about it and two no one in the U.S. knows how to do it, right? Oh my God! <laughs> and, and I shouldn't say no one because no one, we yeah. know, like, because a couple of people have taken this classes, but right? Like up, human but... robot, sacred profane. They've done they've done these classes. There are people who have done it, and by and you don't have to travel to Luger in the Czech Republic to be good at no, doing this. But you do uh, have to understand what it means to use it and have practice, and that is a big deal. Like I didn't realize. I mean, I did realize because that's why I went and took the class. But like. I knew we were doing things not correctly. I also, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't understand why or what things meant. And it's just once you do, oh, my God, it's so important. And there's so much information. And how do we translate their glassware service to mm -hmm. bars here in the U.S., which we'll talk about, but, like, there, this is like you said, this is their culture over there in Pilsen and in, you know, all around the Czech Republic, but especially in Pilsen, Pilsner Raquel is there. And you know, part of this tapster program and part of the service, this is all relatively kind of new. Like the Luker Faucet, they put out in 1999, like they opened the company, company in 1991, they put out the faucet in 99. There was kind of like a slip in beer service starting to happen within the city because. Um, it wasn't being elevated. So Pilsner Kell is kind of a big part of the reason why it's such a more popular thing to be a tapster. And we're when we say tapster, we're talking about the person who 
like they kind like a like in Germany, we've noticed like the person who's in charge of the the cask, right? Right. Will be that he's that guy or or gal. Like they are the person. Whereas that's the same deal as the tapster who's working behind the bar in a bar in Pilsen. Right. They are the tapster and they don't pour the beer. They tap the beer. Like right. I, we notice this with their language. They every time they make a glass of beer, they call it tapping it. Um but so Pilsner Kell, like according to our guide, you know, we were we were put with uh a put our teacher, he works there. Our teacher, his name is Andre, and he um is a certified master tapster through and I, is that the right uh, correct me if i'm wrong if i got that title wrong but it's a uh, master bartender master like pilsner, bartender. yeah pilsner cal does an annual competition yes for tapsters and he it's like a huge honor you can only like be nominated three times and you can only win once yes and he won in 2022 yes and they didn't start that program until about 2015, 2016, something like right. that. He is there's less of them than there are master cicerones. Right. So which is geez, you know, like right. you think there's you know, like less than 30 master cicerones. So, you know. But it is and then so he I don't remember if he worked for Pilsner or Calvary, which is working. I think he was working at a different bar, but he eventually switched over to Luker to help spread the message of this perfect pour that Pilsner Raquel was also trying to encourage the bars to do. Because right. around that time they started this program, they also started to go to all the local bars and give them certified certifications, basically, like a little star on their wall each year saying, okay, you're doing this right. Right. Um, so that contest is built and that um, that contest and them going around certifying bars is all a marketing tactic to get people to be treating their beer with the correct pour, get this back into the bet the the service it should you know traditionally was, and get that prestige you know title of the tapster for the person who worked behind the bar, you know, right? And and I just mean that person in charge of their bar. I don't mean like the winner of the competition but that too like you have to if you want to enter that competition you won you have to live in the area like mm -hmm. i can't just go into that cop they think i right. get really good because of course we asked how do because we get into the competition <laughs> and he was like you can't <laughs> but it starts with like 800 people you know applications and they drilled it down like part of even the um process like once they get to like i don't remember the number like maybe 50 people they send in like secret yeah they secret shop like, you secret shoppers yeah and because it, it, it's not about just pouring it's about your demeanor how you interact with the public you know how what kind clean of your spaces how clean your spaces um how you wash your dishes like um it's a, it's a lot so <laughs> you know you're with you know you're in good hands when one of the winners of that competition is teaching you the Luker class. Right. And just in like, not just like, we're not just in the class setting. Like we, the first day of the class, we meet up with them around 4 PM to go bar hopping. And they describe it as light the passion for the right. check pour. We're like, it's there baby. But, yeah. But it was great. <laughs> it was a great experience because you get to get into all these places really quick, try a different beer, Get a little uh history 
Um, right. And and he took us to five different spots and there was a reason behind mm-hmm. each spot. And part of it too was these are all places where he knows that we're going to get proper service. Yes. But like the first place we went, Lacarna uh, means the pharmacy. And that's it was what, like the first bar in Pilsen? I think it was something? the first like it was a pharmacy and then they turned it into like the first bar. Yeah. And they kept like a little vibe from it. They had some like little old what prescription bottles kind of placed out as decor. And um, it was great. It was it had good service. Um, traditional lager and basically everything is Pilsner Raquel like you can I mean you there are other beers that are available but like most of what we interacted with was Pilsner Raquel yeah Um, and then we went to one that's a craft beer spot Mm -hmm. I mean those were pretty solid beers like there was I I don't remember he got us one that was oh I think it was like an IPA with like cinnamon and orange oh yeah something that like Rachel and I would not order yeah like ever and that's not that's not a judgment against the beer it's just i don't really like it's just beers like spiced that. ipa not my thing yeah and so but it was still i could appreciate it for what it was but we had a super solid fruited sour um i f- forgot we had one other one that was really really good there uh but yeah like he took us to each spot and and like Rachel said, we, you know, it kind of felt like you were a celebrity because he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, this table we're setting at, this is like Stamish. This is for the regulars. This is for like they will leave these tables open even if there's a wait. Yeah. You know, be, in case a regular comes in. So it was kind of like like Rat Pat Vegas going through the <laughs> kitchen into the club kind of thing where you just walked in and they're like, oh, yeah, right here. And so like we're setting it like. The, the VIP yeah. table uh, right up front. And yeah. uh, that that was really fun. But it was it was good because I some of those places I don't know that we would have known to go to. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. It's and, always great to have a little tour or someone who knows. Right. Right. And um, so, yeah, that was like it, we say it's a three day course. It was like you could do it. The actual meat of the course that can be done in one day yeah um but they kind of spread it out a little bit for us and then the next day was our like full day of training so we had the the theory in the morning and then like the practical and the practice in the afternoon and in the morning there was and we had a discussion about this where i was like you know i kind of wish that they would have asked what our background was because the like there's some stuff that he's telling us that like we already know like draft principles like kind of basics but then Rachel and her husband Jeff uh, who was with us pointed out well yeah but like they they did say some things that we didn't know that we might not have learned if we had said like yeah yeah we know we know all of this oh yeah uh, so you definitely changed my mind on that uh because I was like yeah there actually was stuff that we were like wait that's not how we do it in the US yeah and or that like, is what we do and he's not doing it like right. riping the faucet in between uses right you know? right and that's something that uh we're still kind of getting to the bottom of because in the czech republic or with a side pool faucet is similar similar to a swan neck with cascale where the faucet is submerged in the beer and in the U.S., we have been taught the faucet does not touch the beer at all. That's disgusting. 
And with swan necks, you're supposed to wipe it with a microfiber cloth between each pour. And so I, I, and I know having conversations since I've been back that other people in the draft business have assumed you do the same thing with the side pull, which intuitively makes sense as yeah. logical, but like at no time during our training, did he wipe the faucet between pores? Did he say you were supposed to, and, and he would this have. was a, <laughs> yeah. And he would have this, it was very meticulous. It was very meticulous on our training. Yeah. And so that would have come up if that was something that they do. Um, so we haven't, or maybe by the time this episode comes out, we will have gotten like a solid answer. I don't know if I'm going to ask that. He's going to look at me like, hmm? right. <laughs> Just kidding. but I, like, I think it is worth asking because they, like, there was so much stuff that it was like, you have your soap hand and your clean hand, you have your wet hand and your dry hand. And, you know, and they do take hygiene very seriously. I know. So I'm interested to know what the reasoning is behind not wiping yeah. the faucet. But it is it is, it was just interesting to realize like, oh, in the US, like nobody learned that from Lucre or from side pull faucet. They just inferred that that's how it would be because that's how it is for swan necks. Mm -hmm. um, so we have not solved that mystery yet. Yeah. But maybe uh, by the time this this episode is out, we, we will know. Yeah. One thing I thought was interesting or want to point out is like when we were out of the bars they we weren't it wasn't just lager beer or pilsner i mean it wasn't just lager beer on side pool like when we right. went to a more craft brewery uh modern craft brewery they had all the styles on side pool mm -hmm. and it's not technically about the style of beer that you're putting on there but it's about right. how you're changing the flavor of the beer and with the creation of wet foam versus dry foam Right. And that is a big part of what they're trying to accomplish with these ports. It's not just the way they look like it's all about the foam and the flavor. And even um, one of his things he was telling us, he's like, there are a lot of great tapsters who are pouring great beer and they each have something different that they do that just changes the flavor a little bit of the changes to the flavor of the beer just a little bit with each pour because the one you know little tiny percentage of one degree that you're holding that foam pour at or you know or when you make it straight can change everything so it was really interesting to be like this isn't just about doing abc steps this is about understanding what you're doing like the why of what you're doing right and how that's going to translate into your final product. Um, so it's really good. It was a really good course because of that. And like he's like you said, he's very meticulous, and he should be because so much of getting a good beer is having a clean glass, mm -hmm. and that's that is a whole process, a whole extra piece of equipment, really. Um, over there, like they sell. Like if you can, you can go buy a Lucre faucet, sure. But most of the bars in in the area are set up with a whole sink. Right. It's like a Lucre. Um, what did he, it wasn't a cold box, but it's like cold serve, cold bar, cold bar. Yeah, is what so they called the, it. It's got the box. It's got the keg. It's got the 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 cooling system inside of it. It's got the mm -hmm. triple sinks. Um, it's got the drips, 
the pre-wash station, the cold, you know, chill station. That really was like, aside from the pores, just the prep work. That was yes. probably one of the most surprising things to me where he, you know, he, usually in, in the United States, hopefully in the United States, yeah. you grab a glass off the shelf, you put it on the glass rinser yeah. and then you pour the beer. And their approach is every glass is dirty until you clean it yourself. Mm. And so they don't grab the glass, even if it's a clean glass, you know, you take it straight out of the glass washer, you put it on the, the shelf clean glass yeah but you know for for them that's not a clean glass that's kind of like a, a pre-cleaned glass yeah and so even if it is like a clean glass off the shelf they still actually clean it the way the cold box is set up is if you think about um kind of like if your three sink your tower and your bar was one one thing was and basically like all like, your glass set up too yes and all yeah. of your glass set up uh so it's a big is just like a big stainless steel it looks yeah. like a stainless steel work table like what you would yeah. see in a restaurant but it's one piece is kind of an, like an all-in-one yeah so if you're standing behind the bar you've got your area like on the far left is the area where your dirty glasses go mm -hmm. uh, then you have your sink in your sink is at Luker, it wasn't a spule boy, but it was kind of like that. So a spule boy is what we were using at when we poured at the pub later, which is um, it's kind of like an infinity sign where on one side is like the bristle brush that's stationary mm -hmm. that you like put the glass up and down on. And then in the other part of that infinity sign is the rinser where you rinse all the soap off mm -hmm. or if the glass is dirty you rinse it first yeah. in the glass washer which is a different yeah. which is another thing that's different from the united states yeah the united states it's like you never well and i think in the united states too it's more of you're always using a clean glass to serve you yeah. should be using a dirty glass on the glass rinser to wash it and then serve from it uh but in the Czech Republic, or at least with this, with this type of service, you, when you get a dirty glass, one of the first things you do is put it down in this rinser. But also unlike the United States, where in most places, the rinser is flush with the, with your drip tray here, it's, you're putting it, it's, it's set down into the sink. So yeah. you're, you're putting it down into a sink rather than you it's know, like imagine, it on your drip tray. Imagine like a big compartment area with like a, different basins or different like areas like one so it's like a big sink but it has um it's like has got compartments so it's not like on the drip tray for right. example so it's like it's its own sink area and one little part of that sink area has the rinser the other part's full of soapy water with the brushes right and then there might even be another part in the back that has like a faucet for like other like if you need to like rinse your hands or something you can use that faucet but like it's just an extra area right um so it's it's okay that the dirty beer so the way the dirty beer sits it's like a so you have this compartment area and then you have this uh like spout that comes up that you put the glass on and the weight of it shoots water up and it has this big area to drain in so nothing's really pulling up to the point where it like touches the glass right if that right. makes sense yeah. And then so the way the Luker setup was is like Rachel said, there's instead of having a like a spiel boy, 
it has the sink with the brushes and again they're static brushes mm -hmm. and that has soapy water in it so you would take your dirty glass put it in the glass rinser to get most like get most of the liquid beer and stuff off of it and then put it in the soapy water on the brushes and kind of you know just like to me it sort of looks like those um old like you know, when they have the old cartoons where it's like this, like the home of the future where like, you know, the, the strap comes down and lifts the guy's nose up to like shave his neck. it And like you have like the shoe, shoe shiner thing that's like a little like automatic buffer sort of thing. I mean, that, I know what you're talking about. That's but... what those the brushes remind me of every time is like, oh, I, I don't the... know, it's just kind of like a cartoony thing for me. Well, if you ever... It's like also if you've worked behind a bar, you have to hand wash your glasses. Yes. It's the same thing as that, too, for right. for us bartenders out there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you know, you put it up and down on the brushes, which really gets the inside clean. And then you have a sponge where you are you still wipe it down. You know, you wipe around the rim, you wipe the handle, you wipe the base. And that is different from the United States also in that there is no glass washing machine. You are the glass washing machine. Yeah. For these yeah. For the for the service of the of the pores for the faucet pores, right? It did have a glass washing machine for like wine glasses, cocktail right. glasses, coffees. Just so you know, if you are working, this is like they don't want those glasses being washed in their cold box right. setup. This right. is strictly right. for the beer glass. And once you do that, you rinse it, and you have between your kind of washing setup and your tower is where you have your cold sink. And the purpose of that sink is to keep the glasses, the clean glasses submerged in cold water until you're ready to serve. Yeah. And so you can, you know, pre-wash a bunch of glasses. And this was something also, Rachel, I know, I, th I think I heard you talking with them about it. Of Like when they're talking about pre-wash, they'll like rinse the glass and get it soapy mm -hmm. and then put the soapy glass uh -huh, to the side to the side yep. and, and just let it sit there with soap on yep. it. And I remember like, we were just like, well, is the soap going to dry? Like, why don't you just rinse it then? And it's like, no, you like with the, the sink, the cooling sink that also has compartments. Mm -hmm. So you do like a yep. row of eight glasses and then you do another row of eight glasses and they yeah. have, it seems like each tapster has a system set up to where they know if you know they're going to pour a beer they know which compartment of glassware to start with yep and so that's part of the reason of like doing the pre-wash is if your sink is already full then you don't need to rinse those because you don't really have any place to put them yeah and then as those compartments empty then you rinse like let's say there's eight glasses in each compartment as, as one compartment empties then you rinse and finish washing, washing eight glasses and put them in this yeah. cold water sink and they stay underwater. Uh, and the thing that I love, I want one of these for my home. The sink fills from the bottom. Yeah. I want one of those so badly. It, and nice. it has an overflow towards the top. And the reason for that is because the water, your cold water bath that the glasses are sitting, sitting in has to stay clean. Like nothing detergent free, it, detergent free. Yeah. So the, the sink has to stay filled with clean, cold water at all times. And so, like Rachel said, no dish soap, you know, no nothing. And our trainer told us a story about being at this event with like this very long line of people 
waiting uh, for him to tap their beers. And this dad walked up with his kid and like stuck his hand in the water to wipe his kid's face off. And, and you know, our, our trainer was like, why did you do that? And he, the dad's like, well, I don't want to wait uh, in the bathroom line or whatever. But since the guy had stuck his hand in the water, he had to drain all of the water out and take all of the glasses that were in there and re-clean them. And, you know, so they, they take that very seriously. Yeah. And he was talking about how, you know, the line was already long and it was just getting longer and longer and longer because he was having to go back and redo all of this glassware. And while we were there doing the training, that happened a couple of times where like we got soap in the water or something. Yeah. And so it, it's just so cool. I just want one <laughs> because <laughs> since the, you know, the, and it, it's one of those things I've never seen a sink like this before, but it makes perfect sense because all he did when like we got a little bit of soap in there was just turned on the water. So the water was filling from the bottom and that overflow was where all of the non-clean water was going. And yeah. uh, like for us, it was I, I think it was basically like, you, you know, we kind of turned it on until we could see the detergent. Yeah. Leave, the detergent and then like leave float. it on like a yeah, like leave it on like a skosh longer. Yeah. And so that water stays clean at all times. Yeah. And so a couple things to mention when we're talking about cleaning the uh, glasses, there was a very specific brush that they used that they would change mm. out probably daily. Um and like we, they even like gave us a goodie bag at the end. We got a couple of those brushes in that goodie bag, which is so fun because we're beer geeks. But yeah, it was a big yellow brush that had um, kind of like those green scrub pads that you can get like on one side. Oh, you're talking about the sponge. The sponge, yeah. Sorry, it's like a yellow big sponge looking piece with like a green scrub pad on one side and that sponge was really big deal as part of cleaning and a part of like the whole box and everything so here is like the cleanliness of the water right we're talking this is like a chill sink is what they call it and the idea is like this is cold water it's supposed to be the same temperature as what you want to serve the beer because that's really important for the foam when you're pouring the beer and that should be a wet service should be the last thing touching the glass or the first thing the foam touches as well as uh, like a chill temperature. So in their eyes, it's not good enough to take that glass. One of the reasons it's not good enough to take the glass off the shelf and rinse it is because it's not the appropriate chill temperature. And if we're going to be chilling things into a cold bath, we need to make sure it's super clean. So there is like this whole theory behind it. But here's what kind of throws me off a little bit. is like I know that the person in charge of working that station is going to be very clean in a hygienic sense they're still using the outside of their hand and they're still using like a cloth to like dry it at times and there's in the and even the person washing the dishes i mean the, the hand is still going in that glass sink mm -hmm. but the service over there is so fast that i don't think it has time to really become un beer unclean beer glass if that makes sense right whereas me trying to recreate these stations here right now not all of them obviously but what we're trying to do in america in my bar which is what i suspect a lot of people would try to do if they had this training um so before training we just take the glass off the shelf rinse it go to the faucet pour now i set up a 
one of my triple sinks. To, I tried to clean it as best I could. And I set up as a chill bath and then I can, I can't wash my glasses the same way, but I washed them in the glass washer, let them like at the beginning of the shift, let them cool down, put them in the chill sink. And I try to figure out a way to cover it. But one things I'm, one of the problems I'm running into is we're not serving fast enough. So they sit there for a while and I also don't think I have an appropriate sink for this. Like I can put a stopper in it, but my, it's a really old sink and like the bottom part of it, and it's like stained colored, if you will. Like it's fine for cleaning dishes, but I don't know if it's exactly the most sanitary mm. thing for. So I went to go try to find like a hotel cooking, like chafing stainless steel pan, but I can't, haven't found one that's deep enough yet. I will make this chill bath in a sanitary way, but I'm still <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, so at the moment, we are rinsing normally. Mm-hmm. But it's working out fine. We're still making the pours. But that's what, you know, when I sent Luker an email, Luker, you know, Jen and I are very passionate people about beer, if you didn't know. And um, we were like, yeah, no, we got to get this training to the United States. We we're talking to him about it. You know, like Jen works for Cicerone. We know people, we know fucking everyone between the two of us. (laughs) Not that, not that he needs us, but we're just like, this needs to get in the BA manual, in the draft manual. I mean, we need to have it in there. I gave him that guy's contact. I was like, here's, I gave him Neil's contact at Cicero because he, I know, I was like, you got Jen's, here's Neil, because we need to get more training on the syllabus because I know you guys are adding it to your syllabus or you have Mm -hmm. added to your syllabus. Yep. And people are using it and they have a lot of customers here and they know they need to get more training here. So I told them, I was like, You're, we're going to have to figure, we, we're going to have to figure out a way to have an American adaptation for your training mm-hmm. for these glasses because no breweries are not going to go buy your whole cold bar setup right. as much as I would love to. It's not realistic. Right. Um, and some people might if they're starting up and they really want to do things right. And they're like, I, this is my way, you know, because that's what happens with education. But that's not what's going to happen with all the people who already have setups. Right. They're already using it. Right. Exactly. And so, that's, that was def- definitely something that we talked about a lot where we were like, you will, if you're telling us, like, stop, you're doing it wrong you will have a heart attack when you go to the United States and see how people (laughs) are misusing your faucet. (laughs) Yeah. And even um, the storage of it at nighttime, we weren't doing that the way Mm -hmm. they do. We, um, you know, we were treating it kind of like you would a pieces for a cask. Right. For a cask engine. Um, Maybe a little cleaner sits in overnight. They don't want that. They just want cold, clean, cold water sitting in your cold box overnight. Right. And even how they cleaned out the faucets at the end of the night, we weren't doing correctly. And so, and even they clean their draft lines once a week because it's mm-hmm. unpasteurized, unfiltered beer, and it's mandated by law, by Czech law. So we were like, <gasps> do we need to do that? Right. and we go back and we i looked in the brewer's manual and um there was a section that says you know every 7 to 14 days depending on local ordinance and i was like oh snap like okay okay at least we got that part right well you know it'd be nice to have some examples in there yeah well and it that that was funny when you sent that to me in the draft manual because like we have read the draft quality manual 
front to back probably 50 times just by dint of studying for Cicero yeah. and stuff. And I know that I've seen that stuff. And I like I never once thought like, oh, local ordinance. And then when we were in in Pilsen and he's yeah. like, no, it's a law. You have to clean your lines once a week. And whether they actually whether that actually happens or not, or there's some way like there's probably not. I wish there was like draft quality police, but, yeah. um, you know, like who, who knows, yeah. but that is the culture there. And it's, it seems like it's the culture there the same way that we expect people are cleaning their lines every two weeks here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we've got that like back to their, their cold bar, you know, we've gotten all the way to where we have clean glassware and now we're ready to pour. Yeah. And that one thing that he said, you know, is like pour, pour a schnitt first thing in the morning, because the first mm -hmm. thing you should do in the morning is taste the beer and make sure that the beer is good enough to serve, which I wish was more universal. I know some places, speaking of local ordinances, I don't know if North Carolina is the same anymore, but I know that it used to be that if you were serving alcohol, you could not drink alcohol. And that included being able to taste your beer. Oh yeah. And like to make sure it was okay. And I know like when I worked at the beer bar, that was really kind of a problem because we had all different brands on tap. And then if we put a new brand on the line, legally we're not allowed to taste that beer to make sure that it tastes okay. No. Um, which, you know, I mean people did anyway, but the I think you are allowed to uh I think North it's changed. Carolina has made an exception for quality control purposes. Mm -hmm. And especially at festivals. Yes. And that, but, but that's a new. That's new. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And also there, you know, at Czech, you're typically serving maybe two different types of beer. Right. So it's also not. And I don't know what the rules are, but part of this class was us going to a bar to serve. And they're like, I was drinking beer behind the bar while I was serving. Yeah. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. I, was like, okay. I know it's so funny because yeah it's just like well what if ale shows up yeah, they're like what, what who's that yeah this is a uh, this is czech republic we have fun right <laughs> i don't know yeah so up. you know we um with the pouring the there were three main pours that we learned about the hladinka the schnitt and the mliko um the hladinka is what is probably like normal like when we were when we were pouring in, in the, in the yeah. pubs, they would say, "I need five beers," and by five beers, it meant I need five Ladinka pours of Pilsner Cow. Yeah, and so <laughs> if they like, if they didn't, yeah, so if they didn't specify like this needs to be a schnitt, then you were pouring Ladinka, and so that is the pour that probably is most familiar to everyone mm -hmm. where you have like three fingers of foam and the rest is beer. And the thing with the side pull faucet is the way it works is it's got a ball inside and it, you open the faucet just a little bit. And it, it, I mean, it is kind of like if you opened a regular like rear ceiling faucet just a little bit, you're going to get a lot of foam. Yeah. that That's the goal. Right. Where's and you foam? start with the foam uh, in a, when you're doing something like a, a, a Hladinka, you're, you start with all of these. You, it's foam first. Yes. So you fill you just kind of crack open the faucet a little bit to get the foam. Once you get the foam where you want it to, you open the faucet all the way and fill up the rest of the beer. And that's like that for each one of the pours, depending on it's just a variance of how much foam is in the glass. And you keep the faucet submerged the entire time. 
And when you're finished with the pour, you give it kind of a beat and then you really quickly move the glass away so you're not getting drips into the beer or into your pour because when that beer hits the foam, it can affect the foam. So with these different mm-hmm. pours, the wet foam is is the focus. It's the goal, yeah. As uh, someone who has been trying to keep a, a brewery owner, brewery brewer who likes everything really clean behind the bar, this was kind of hard for me. But when you do go to pour this this beer part of it is actually pouring a little bit of that, that yes oh thank you yeah into the um drip tray and not into the glass because you have this like little bit that's sitting in there it's like oxidized over time now if you have fast service it's okay to go straight to the glass and you know wh- when we were doing our our training with the the restaurant the guy said about 90 seconds for him in between pours is an okay time to let it sit there however as someone who's learning it was very helpful to just let it drain and right. to establish my phone because if you open it, we're talking like a little crack. And if you open it too much, you can get too much beer, not enough foam. Right. And then you can go too slow. So, you know, I just wanted to keep doing that so I could establish my phone. But so you do do that to get that first part out and then um, create your first bit of foam. And if you're doing the Heldenka, it will be less foam than if you're doing a schnitt. Um, one big thing that was like, really a big part of this pour and getting it right was keeping the glass in this specific spot so you start out this 45 degree angle and the Mm -hmm. and the faucet is submerged and it's touching the side of the glass and if you really work on just keeping that glass touching that inside of that faucet the whole time and as you you don't really tilt the glass up straight like you do in america you kind of bring it with the fo- I'm like doing this yeah you, yeah hands. right like, you, you pull you, it toward you yeah you pull rather, it towards yeah. you making sure that the one the faucet stays in the beer the whole time and two um that it touches the glass inside of the glass the whole time right and what was it was did he keep saying that they're lovers or like they're intimate or something <laughs> he, kept, he kept like because we I didn't I, like Rachel that. was saying in the like in the in the U.S. One, you don't have the faucet in the beer. Yeah. But like you started a 45 degree angle and then you put the glass upward. But the way that the side pull faucet is designed, it has a very long nozzle. Yes. Yeah. And so and you do. You're like a lovers with it. You keep it in contact. Right. And I think it was that or he said that like they were friends or something, but you keep the you. It's not exactly this, but a good way to picture it is like if you're you've got a side pull and you've got the faucet submerged in the glass you're kind of scraping the faucet along the side of the glass like the faucet stays in contact with the glass and you pull it toward you and then kind of at the end you kind of like bloop yeah and if you're not if you're doing if you're doing hildenka hildanka i always say it wrong but if you're doing that style you will kind of bring it up at the end but if you're doing a schnitt you kind of keep it at that 45 degree angle the whole time um and and a schnitt is what is it like three it's fingers two, foam two fingers beer one finger well it's like two top. part two part foam or two part beer if you if you have big fingers maybe one right. finger would not be enough i don't think at the top but, but it's, it's mostly like it's like beer, two thirds one third. foam. yeah one part yeah. one part nothing right um, on top and so- i kept forgetting that and i did that at the very so on um, the last day for kind of our final exam we had to pour three Hladinkas, three Schnitz, and one Bleco. And, you know, he was like, I don't want you to be concerned about getting it exactly perfect. I want you to be consistent. Yeah. 
but I on like my second pour and I just I kept forgetting this all the time that like the schnitt has a, a finger at the top there's empty space at yeah. the top yeah. and I would be like okay done and when we were doing the final one on the second schnitt that I poured I went to set it down and I was like that's not enough foam and so I put more foam and like as I was doing it, I was like fuck it's not supposed <laughs> to be filled to the top and afterwards uh, Andre our trainer was like why did you do that? And I was like, I forgot. I forgot which one I was pouring. And he was like, that's what I thought. Um, but I was very confused when like, cause he was like, you had it poured perfectly. And, and then I, you just add a little foam. Yes. Yeah. So we were, had some filming at the brewery the other night. And so now of course that I am certified, I'm like, okay, we got to do this, this, and this. So I'm making these pours and a lot's going on. Cause it's a full bar. Right. Because we're trying to get a lot of shots. So I'm trying to explain to them and they're like, the marketing team's like, that one's not full all the way. And I was like, stop it. It's fine. Like, but they wouldn't go fast enough and the pores would settle. And I'm just like, oh, come on. We have, this has to be perfect. Like <laughs> I'm trying to get the Hildaka, the, the schnitt, the Mielko all in one go. And he's like taking too long. So the schnitt's rising up and I'm like, you know, the Helduka film's going down a little bit. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> There's a science and an art to this. So this right, right. Very yeah. much both. And the, um, if it's poured correctly, the foam will stay and it will stay a, a but... big reason they have, they want that wet foam on top is to protect the beer from getting oxidized. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, if it's poured correctly, then your foam stays in, like more or less, it, well, it stays for a long time. It's not going to stay to the very it, end because yeah, that's not like, how foam works. Yeah. But and like then, when you're trying to get the perfect freaking photos, Yes. Yeah, Fair. Yes. Time. Yeah. And then the Mleko is just all foam. Mm -hmm. And the other one we learned about is the Choka, which is a what I would say is probably like what you think an American pour is, where it's all beer, no foam, or like very, very little foam. One of the things we learned was the Prague pour. And was that with the, was <laughs> that just the Hladinka or the Schnitt? The Hildinka where you make too much head, too much yeah. foam. Yeah. And That's a pro, he, prog Hildinka. Yeah. And he, yeah, he was like, yeah, we call that the prog pour because like you're cheating your customers out <laughs> of the proper pour. Real quick, when we're talking about these different pours and what, you know, we're throwing out all these terms at you, Hildinka and Schnitt and all, what that means. And yeah, they have different levels of foam, but they also, you pick a different pour based upon kind of what your goal of drinking is so like mm -hmm. you the hildaka has the least amount of foam it's going to have the most amount of carbonation kind of similar to like caspier when you like pull it through a sparkler like you're knocking out this carbonation well with the more foam you make the more carbonation you're knocking out of these beers so if you want if you're going to like maybe have dinner and you want something that pairs with like a good rich food you might do this hildaka pour because it's going to be crisp and refreshing and it's going to have more bitterness um, but maybe if you want to do a lot of sh session drinking, which we were, and which was at the end of the night, very grateful that he continues to order us schnitz <laughs> and <laughs> because that's what we were drinking most of the time, because Agreed. this has got a smaller amount of beer in it, right? It has more foam. The advantage of the schnitt is that you don't need to get like drunk quickly because the creamy foam protects like the flavor of the beer and you're able to enjoy more of it during a session because it's less filling because you have knocked out a big part of that. CO2 and it's not just sitting in your stomach. And this is that two-part beer, three-part foam, and then that one-part um, empty space on top that we were mentioning. Right. And that empty space is probably because you really just don't need that much more foam or right. And beer. 
with a schnitt also uh beer writer evan rail who is from the u.s but lives in the czech republic says that that's also known as the nervous husband's drink yeah because it, a schnitt <laughs> is also designed where uh, you take like you can drink it quickly and so he said it's a nervous husband's drink because it's what you order when you're not quite ready to go home but you know you can't be drunk when you get home <laughs> yeah. so you get a you get the schnitt um and I, I always, I think that's so funny. And so like every time we got a schnitt, I was like, ooh, we're nervous husbands. <laughs> and then we have that Milko, um, and that means milk in Czech because it kind of looks like a full glass of milk um, when you pour it. You are pouring like a full glass of foam. So when we talked about that very first part of the pour where we're trying to establish that foam, um, that's just, you just put, once you get that foam, you just put the glass under there at a 45 degree angle and you just do that for the whole pour. Mm -hmm. It should be the easiest one. You literally don't have to do anything but that. And then you close it at the end and it has a little bit of beer, but it ends up being about, um, you're starting the pour and it looks like it just has this little bit of beer on it. And then when the foam settles, you get 50% beer. Right. But the purpose of a Mleko pour yes, is to just gulp the foam. Yes. So it, you're it's not, it like shouldn't you're... settle into beer. No, no. Yeah. You do want, because the idea is like, this is kind of like a nightcap. You want one last, get a Milko shot, something like that, which you get some Milko shots. Yeah. And there's some other styles of pours too that you can get, but these are the three big main ones of service over there. And, um, the ones that we focus on at the brewery, well, we we typically just serve Haldanka at the brewery, and but we want to, if someone did want a schnitt or a Melko, we want to be known for doing it right. We are putting a lot of training into our staff, but we, we are taking it seriously because we really want to do be known as that place in Charlotte where you can get these pours. So we're going to start doing a lot of education and releasing like little videos about it and stuff like that. Cause it's just, I love it. I think it's so great. I was thinking the other day, how fun it would be to like open a beer bar where you had like, this is the English bar with the cast service. And this is the Czech bar with the Czech beer service. And like, that's my dream. That'd be so fun. It sounds like a lot of work. Right. <laughs> right. Kind of like, um, like Epcot, you know, when you yeah. go to Epcot and Epcot and they have all the little different countries kind of like that, where it's like, yeah, this room is like you walk in and it's like a British pub and it's cast yeah. and then like you walk in and it's Czech and it's yeah, exactly. old bar. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that amazing. idea. It'd be fun. Sounds like a lot of work, but it'd be fun. Yes. I, but but yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? One of the things that it, like in the first episode or one of our first episodes, we were talking about the slow pour. And that is done with a side pull. You can also do it with a regular faucet. Um, yeah. But you, what the slow pour is, is really like instead of submerging the glass, you're kind of like pouring hard is how I, yeah. would, I would kind of say it. Like you're you're pouring it kind of like a, you would regularly pour. Like imagine just letting the, the glass sit on the bar and you just open the tap and let the beer go into it. Right. Right. So it's you're not pouring foam first. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the beer and then the foam at the top and you let it settle and then you put some more beer on top of it. So you've got that meringue looking head. And it, it was funny because Andre called it hard foam. So it was hard foam and wet foam. Mm -hmm. And he poured one of those and then poured a regular Hladinka. Mm -hmm. And you sat both of them on the table and like you could, you know, like you could obviously tell a difference in the foam. Oh, yeah, it looked way different. But he went and got spoons and yeah. came out and was like 
spoon some of the foam from the hard pour, spoon some of the foam from the wet foam. And it was amazing. Like it yeah. was eye opening. And so I've, different. I've still like, I still think about it. I still talk about it. I can't wait to be able to show what that difference is. Yeah. And I don't think that one is necessarily better than the other. Well, I did I prefer do. the wet foam. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it is interesting too, because, you know, like in tasting beer, Randy Mosier talks about you pour your beer hard down the center of the glass, let the head rise, let it settle, pour on top of it. And you are doing that specifically for that foam effect. And so then learning more about wet foam, it's like, well, I've got, I really have some shit that I need to think through now. Yeah. And you know, I know like, what, what the difference, difference is. And Luger does not condone the slow pour. I should say. Right. This was an experiment. Very touchy about. They are very touchy. They the slow pour is not correct. I think it was uh, something that he said kind of came from the west side of the country, rather than just east side. East side of the country, true, because we were on the west side. Because of people maybe just using the not understanding how to use the side pull, and this is thus you know someone saw that and brought it you know over to America kind of thing, which is what happens with a lot of stuff. And yeah, they do not condone it. They do not like it. That was not their preference. And I see why. Like the beer tastes way better. Like the foam tastes way better. Right. But, you know, at the same time, like you read when you go to Germany, if your beer gets served to you too quickly, you send it back because it means it hasn't been poured properly because it wasn't poured with the foam and then let it settle yeah. and then fill it up. So that's it's just a very interesting cultural thing. But yeah. having that sensory side by side now, yeah, I mean, exactly. like I said, it's something that I'm like, I really got to just set aside some time to think this through because it was it was so it was different. very eye opening. And then I was like, well, do I not want hard foam anymore? Do I want to stop pouring my beers like that? And if so, then like, how do I pour? Anyway, how it's kind of pour? an identity yeah. <laughs> crisis for me. Uh, like we a need, sensory like a identity crisis. faucet that can hook up to a bottle or a can. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be their next invention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I guess you could do kind of how you're supposed to pour a Hefeweizen and invert the glass over the bottle of beer and then do that because then you would still Ooh. be, well, you wouldn't be getting foam first, but you know, like that's how they say you should pour a, a Hefeweizen is yeah. you like slowly pull it out and fill the beer that way. So I wonder if you like. But you could also roll like, a put your... bottle in your hand and pour it that way too. So it's just like, which is right. different, but. But that's for the yeast. But yeah, like a, a classic Hefeweizen True. is you flip the bottle up and kind of glug, 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 like pull it up. So yeah, I want the the home wet foam is yeah. a device that I would like <laughs> to have created. But yeah, that was that was so eye opening. Yeah. Just the difference between the two. And yeah, I think the wet foam was far superior. Like, you know, wet foam versus dry foam. Like a wet foam is gonna be this smooth, creamy texture packed with flavor and aroma from, you know, hops from characters in the beer, but it lasts longer than dry foam. So it's mm-hmm. meant to be savored along with the beer. And it's sweet. It's, yeah. it's sweeter it's not, than it's not the as hard bitter. foam. Yeah. The hard foam just releases different bitter compounds that come out in your flavor. And, you know, when we tasted that, it's like it's like little kids eating ice cream. Yeah. So you're just like, just get the little foam, little foam. <laughs> it was a big, big difference. And I highly, like, if you have access to a side pool, and I guess the person's doing it right, I don't know, like. 
it's come a good side by side. Come to Pilot sure. Brewery. Let me know. I will give you this experiment. I will meet you. I will pull you side pulls. I will pull you slow pour versus so you could try it. I'll pull you a Milko. We'll talk about it all. I just love it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. So then we, at the end of our second day, was the practice portion where we went to a pub and actually were yeah. behind the beer or behind the bar tapping beers. And like Rachel said, we were also drinking a lot of our mistakes throughout, <laughs> throughout the night. And it was so funny because the, it, it was very intense. And like we said, like our trainer was very intense and very meticulous. So even when we were, or especially when we were practicing at Luger, you know, he would be standing on the other side of the tower and he'd be like, stop. No, you messed it up. Dump it out. Do it again. <laughs> and, you know, and would do that and be like, yeah, and, and, but it was good because he it was would good. Say, but okay, it's like, look, you have two different colors of foam. And that means that, yeah, you're that was a thing foam. too. Yeah. And there was, yeah, just a lot of things like that, but you would get started and he would be like, stop. No wrong. <laughs> and then like with me, he'd be like, stop being so nervous. <laughs> Why are you so nervous? And then, like, I would start putting and be like, no, wrong. Again. <laughs> you need to relax. And finally, I was like, sir, this is a fundamental part of my personality. I don't relax. And luckily, Rachel and Jeff were both like, that's true. Like, they were there to back me up. Um, but yeah, because, you know, he's like, you like, you all keep like looking at the glass and you, like, you shouldn't do it by sight. You should just do it by Just feel. do it. Just do it feels right. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, like I'll get to that point, but first I need to learn how to actually do it consistently. Um, but yeah, he's like, you just look like you're under intense pressure. I'm like, yes, I am. You're standing the master bartender is for Pizzo I know, right? Is standing like you are a winner. You are a <laughs> right. literal master right. at this. Right. Like, what I did think was funny about this and just proves how much there is to learn about beer, even when you get these great certifications you had asked you like like how much do you think like more do you think you can learn about faucets and all this stuff he's like oh i think i know about like 30 percent, you know of what there is to know and i was like yeah i i feel that the right. more you learn the more you know the more you study the more you learn that how much you don't know right and i totally feel that i even like not to discredit anything about cicerone program but i have thought that about of being advanced or even studying for master and it's just like yeah this is a beer service test one but like there's still so much more to learn after right. master right. yeah but that's so, how that's how it goes it's like learning language and oh there's always things that are changing too you know right yes that is the dunning kruger effect yeah as we've also discussed on on the podcast before of the more you know the more you realize how much you don't know the mm -hmm. flip side being when you learn a little bit, you think you know a lot more than you do. Yes. Been and, a victim of that too. Right. And I was going to say, this was like a very humbling experience because For there sure. were so many new things and it, it is kind of like being in Germany or Belgium where, or even like the UK, beer is so much a part of the culture and especially in the Czech Republic. The, the Czech Republic oh, yeah. is the highest per capita amount of beer consumption in the world of any other country. And it like beer is a huge part of their culture. Mm -hmm. But with the pouring at the pub was not as bad as I was expecting. Yeah, it was pretty um, chill. 
But yeah, it was a lot more chill than I was thinking. I think it was a lot slower than they were expecting. I think it was as well. I think we could have easily gotten ourselves. Yeah. And they, um, the way that we did it was for about 40 minutes, one of us would pour, one of us was cleaning glasses, one of us was chilling. Mm -hmm. And then we would rotate. As in hanging out. Right. Not working the chill station. Just to. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Yes. 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 (laughs) You know, they would get the orders and it was uh, Andre, our trainer, was supposedly was bad cop. And the other <laughs> tapster who was working was good cop. Um, but good cop was definitely sometimes I was like, I'm doing the best I can. Because, <laughs> again, like they're very particular about the way their bar is set up. One of the things that I love is how like obsessed they are with keeping everything clean. Oh, and, I know. and yes. even like even when we were in Luger, like we would stop to clean off the bar top or like Andre would stop us so he could clean the like it was very yeah. much. I don't want to say OCD, but because well, you are much... making a mess, too. Yes, when you, you are making a mess because it is it is natural to like one, let some come flow out. And even when you're making like the Hildanka, it's natural to let some of it kind of flow over towards the end of the pour, too. Not right. too much, but a little bit. And it does make a mess. And the way you put people like us out, you know, learning. Right. It's a bigger mess. <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, like I remember at one point I like I got behind the bar and I poured something and then I think like, I was standing there for n- not that long. And the other guy was like, what are you doing standing here? There's there's water right here. There's beer right here. You need to be cleaning. And I was like, OK, OK. And, you know, and then they would be like, no, no, no. See how you do this? What is this? What is this? You do it this way. <laughs> and it was good because it's it's one of those things that like as anybody, as you get more experience with things, you figure out like what's the most efficient way to do this. Yeah. And why? They've already like, figured to, out yeah. the most efficient way to do it. Yeah. And so it was very much like kind of, it, it was just also being in somebody else's bar. Yeah. yeah and having sure. them be like you don't get to do it your way you need to do everything my way which was totally fine um one of the things i loved was they did like tell some of their regulars that they were going to have people doing training yeah at night um so we had kind of a like a a more forgiving audience than we may have had but you know they would tell you like i need five beers so you you know you knew like that meant the hladinka pilsner cal is what you're pouring yeah and there was one that I poured and I sat on the bar for the server and she, like, she looked at it and she <laughs> looked at the other, she looked at the, the bad cop or the good cop. And, uh, he like just picked it up and walked around the bar and walked it over to the people who had ordered it. And like, you know, it's like, talk, 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 talk. <laughs> and then everyone kind of looks like over their shoulders and I'm behind the bar, like, mur, mur. <laughs> that's me. And so that like that happened to me a couple of times where like the server would just look at it and look at the guy and he would just like nod and go to <laughs> and explain what was going on with it. And everybody like everybody who was there was very like, when, oh, they're you know, nice. When we were but... finished and we sat down. We were next to some but of them. But you know, if like he served a beer and not the server, you're like, yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, it's maybe like, well, <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> you're like, I think that beer went on our tab tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, it was fun and it was, it was cool so to be in that environment. And again, just a completely different bar culture environment. Yeah. Um, we ended that evening with schnapps. Um, Rachel was very hungover the next morning <laughs> because we also did not stop 
drinking there. Yes, that was the uh, We went to dinner and yeah, and it was so funny because the next morning we go into, we're getting ready to take our, uh, you do a practical exam and you do a, you know, like a paper, a, a theoretical exam. And uh, Jeff was with us and he was like, I know you think that it might be the schnapps that made you hungover, but maybe consider it's the 25 beers we all drink. I was like, well, I was fine last night until this morning. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, we took the exam, we did the practical exam and got a little certified tapster certificates. That yeah. We got he, a pin. We got a, we got a little, we got so much cool stuff that you can only get, you cannot buy this pin. We were number like 144, 145 and 146 people yes. to get this pin. It is you earned, have to like earn, not given something. Yeah. We're completing this course or and our initials there. are on it. Our initials are on it. So yes. <laughs> we got that. They gave us some other lucre sponges. They gave us basically yeah. like brushes. Um, we got, Oh, so since our trainer was the master bartender for Pizzle and Raquel, oh, yeah. when you win, you get coasters with your face on them. Yeah. And so, so we, we had asked coasters. him when we were other places, <laughs> like, oh, well, is one of your coasters here? And he's like, I don't think so. And so he brought us his coasters that he signed for us. Yeah. Were autographed. And we were like, all right, Andre. The coolest coaster I've ever gotten. <laughs> we also got a cool multi-tool. Yeah, uh, has also has our names on it. Rachel's is not spelled correctly, but you, oh, it's okay. I think people get the gist. I was more excited for my pin, and we got a little yes. certificate that I get to hang on the wall in the brewery. Right, and right. Like, Haha, exactly. I'm certified, and I get to add it to my professional resume. Right, Luger certified tapster, perfect poor academy graduate. And what I think <laughs> we can end with this was just a fun little fact for everyone to know: the name Luker is the initials of the founder so it's his first name the first two letters of his first name and the first two letters of his last name so that's where luker comes from yeah it's like if my i can't remember like, his name but i do remember that fact yes it's like if <laughs> if i named a company jibla I, my, I i don't really i guess mine yours luker good. just sounds good though yeah Bye. rahu rahu <laughs> rahu <laughs> so yeah that was the the course and i know that we've had or I, I think both of us have had a lot of people ask about it and it is hopefully it, it is if you are able to get there it's worth it it's expensive but it's worth it it is expensive and it hopefully Luker within the near future is they're hoping to start offering these basically the same courses yeah. in the United States. Yeah. So pretty soon you won't have to go to exactly. the Czech Republic for this training. But as they you know, know it's as, a thing that they need to do. Right. As you know, as listeners of this podcast, we go on vacation each January because it's cheap and that's when we can both get away and we go some to some sort of beer destination so this year when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do, the Perfect Poor Academy kind of floated to the top and, you know, we were like, okay, that's what we want to do. And they, they set up the class for us, for the three of us, mm -hmm. but hopefully in the near future, they will start offering them in the United States mm -hmm. uh, as, as well. So you can get that same experience without having to fly to Pilsen mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. But it was pretty cool to be able to go to luger headquarters 
and like see you know we walked in and there's like all of their all their different models of laying on the table and you know they've got their like showroom right there so we get to go look at all of that stuff and it was just a really cool experience so if if that is something you know you're going to be in europe or you're going to be in the czech republic or something they they also have a one-day course i'm not exactly sure how that one works but I, you know you can contact luger and they can you know let you know what kind of offerings yeah and and then the check you know the conversion rate is pretty favorable on your side yes. once you're over there so at least you got that right for sure for sure so thank you everyone for listening uh, like Rachel said, or like we figured out at the beginning of the episode, our next episode will be more <laughs> about like Pilsen and Prague and uh, just what that was like, you know, being, oh, yeah. being in the Czech Republic. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at FalseBottomGirls. You can email us FalseBottomGirls at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, FalseBottomGirls.com. Rachel, Nastravi. Nastravi. <laughs> RJ might listen to this and be like, oh my God. Rolling <laughs> <laughs> in his eyes at our accent. This has been False Bottom Girls, and we make the Bruin world go round. <laughs> <laughs>